Welcome to the Back to Back Films Podcast, where we cover the things you never knew you wanted to know about movies. I'm your host, Keith. This is Byron. And I'm Jacob. That was weird that it was actually a normal introduction. Fairly normal. Yeah, fairly <laughs> I'm trying to down. mix it up. I'm trying to mix it up, you know, go going back, back to the past. Samurai Jack. Uh, so yeah, so our main topic this week is... Well, okay, so we started this by calling them fake documentaries, but they're not really fake in that sense. They're they're docudramas, so I'm calling it our, our topic uh, docudramas, or kind of this idea of, like, you know, dramatizing documentaries to tell a story. Uh, the first film is Nanook of the North, released in 1922. In the silent predecessor to the modern documentary, filmmaker Robert J. Flaherty spends one year following the lives of Nanook and his family, Inuits living in the Arctic Circle. Um, Nanook of the North was directed by Robert Flaherty. It stars Alakariel... Okay. Alakarialak as Nanook and Alice Nevalinga as his wife. Um, so, even that tells you right there that Nanook is not even a real person. I mean, he's yeah. real in the sense the guy was a real Inuit, but Nanook is a fake fake character. Um, our second film is F for Fake, released in 1974. A documentary about fraud and fakery. That's what IMDb has listed. So. <laughs> That's so broad. That's amazing. <laughs> um, F for Fake was written by Orson Welles and was directed by Welles, Gary Graver, Oha Kodak, and Francois uh, Reichenbach. Is it is it Oya? It's Oya, right? Oya, I think. Yeah. Oya. It's like a Y. Oya. Oya. Uh, it was shot Oya. by Reichenbach and edited by Mary Sophie Dubu Dubus Dubus and Dominique. Dubois? No, I don't know. I'm <laughs> and no, Dominique I mean. Engerer. Um, so basically, like, what is a docudrama, I think, is a pretty good place to start, and it's essentially a documentary that has been, the events of which, of the story that it's telling have been dramatized to be able to tell the story. Um, I mean, I feel like that's pretty straightforward on (laughs) what it is, um... (laughs) And it is different than, like, a fake documentary or a mockumentary. And so, to me, and I, I didn't look this up, but to me, when you say mockumentary, what do you guys think of when you say mockumentary? I think of... Different, like, comedies. I think a comedy, t- right? I think two things. Yeah, I think of, like, a, a movie that is... looks and feels like a documentary, but it's, like, spoofing it. Yeah. Right, but... but so, because it's called a mockumentary, it it's implies... Kind of, it's kind of like mocking the documentary right. style. Which is what I right. think. And, but it kind of implies this, like, comedic aspect of right, it. Right, right. But it's actually not. Right. Because, like, like a, Cannibal Holocaust is a mockumentary, right? Yeah. Because it's it's mocking... Or, like, found footage a, almost. The, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, like, to, like uh, Cloverfield could be yeah mockumentary. I think that one's considered found footage. And then Spinal Tap is 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 like a mockumentary. Right. And best of show, like oh yeah, all those things. Yeah. Yeah. Um documentary now is like pure mockumentary. Is best is best of show really is isn't that a documentary though? Best of show, that's the dog show one? Yeah. Cuz it's, no, it's real. It's real, right? If no. it's real, it's not a mockumentary. I thought it was real. No, cuz it has the guy from American Pie in it. I haven't seen it, but I always thought maybe that that was like maybe real. Maybe it's best. Maybe it's best in show. 
Am I thinking of the right things? Okay, so according to this, it says mockumentaries are usually comedic and pseudo-documentaries are their dramatic equivalents. Well, I guess if you want to go that route, then... Oh, yeah, best um, in show. Mockumentary. Done. There you go. So the difference here being that a mockumentary is fiction, but it uses documentary... Um, oh, filmmaking. T- Sorry, this isn't the one I'm thinking of. My bad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's different than docudrama, uh, which is what we're talking about here. Um, so, and it's also different than docufiction, um, which is a genre where documentaries are contaminated, quote, with uh, fictional elements. Um, so to me one of the first kind of times I really realized I was watching a fake documentary. Well, actually I didn't realize it until after was when watching this film called street thief or, Hmm. um, and then on the, on the cover, it also had in really big letters. It says who is Casper Carr?" And it's essentially this, um, it's like, I'm, I'm going to call it a mockumentary. Um, it's not a comedy though. Um, basically they follow around this burglar as he burgles places and like, they show like what he does to gain their information. Like he'll go through garbage and like, you know, grab the trash and find scraps of paper and piece it all together to like steal their information and stuff like that. Um, and that to me, was like one of my first experiences, like being like, Whoa, like you can fake a documentary, you know, um, and do it so well that you actually think it's real when it's happening. Right. Uh, whereas so docudrama, um, and I think I kind of want to, I don't know if we could, should bring it up now if I should ask the question, but like, I want to talk about Errol Morris kind of in relation yeah. to this too, because, um, all of his documentaries are docudramas. They all have reenactments of what occurred. Mm-hmm. Um, the most famous one being Thin Blue Line, yeah, which ended up freeing a falsely imprisoned man from his lifetime prison Which sentence only helped <laughs> errol morris's career yeah seriously <laughs> and then more recently he did wormwood which is almost entirely fictionalized uh not fictionalized uh dramatized yeah there's a lot of reenactment now yeah one. and that goes on for like six episodes so but I, I mean what do you think about errol morris in terms of docudramas like man there's so much to talk about with all this this whole topic really actually now that i'm thinking about it but errol morris i find it interesting because he's interested in these very specific stories that i feel are so unique and they're almost always character driven Mm -hmm. um so it's it it makes for more it makes for better drama so Mm -hmm. it makes sense that it's like considered kind of like a docudrama because mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I couldn't look at, I couldn't look at like Werner Herzog's documentaries and compare them really to Errol Morris. No, Herzog is not you a docudrama. I, yeah, person. you know, like, so, yeah, I don't know if that has anything to do with what you had to ask, but I don't know. With Errol Morris, I find it interesting because he does have such a unique like style, and because of the reenactments, what you're seeing is fake, but. It's based on fact, and you assume mm-hmm. that it is as true as it can right. be to what he's, occurred. Because he's, he's such a craftsman, and yeah. he wants. Yeah, that's interesting. Because, and I also want to. 
I, one of my favorite documentaries, probably my favorite documentary of all time, is uh, The Act of Killing, oh, where right. it's a documentary about this this guy or these guys that really killed people in Indonesia. And then the, the documentary filmmakers have them reenact the killings that they did, like, you know, 30, mm-hmm. 40 years before. And talk about it. Like, and talk about it plainly. while they're, like, reenacting it and, and, and stuff. And I... It's interesting because what you're seeing them, you're, you're seeing them reenact this stuff. It's it, obviously they're not killing anyone. It's fake. But the fact that they did it for real and they're showing them how they did it, it makes it that much more grisly and like more mm-hmm. fucked up. Mm-hmm. And how that plays with your like sense of like, oh, my God, you know, like, yeah. um because if you knew that those guys hadn't done anything like that in real life and they were just like pretending to kill people, then it would just be, it wouldn't be anything like, uh, be like a movie. Yeah. You know? Um, so that line of like truth and fiction or, uh, yeah, truth and fiction is blurred in something that's kind of like the act of killing. Um, and it's but it's blurred in a completely different way mm-hmm. than like what Aaron Morris does. Yep. Cuz right. like your mind your mind obviously knows that those reenactments are fake. Right. But but yet it somehow propels the film and how you are taking in the information that he's giving you. Cuz he usually plays those reenactments with actual interview voiceover. Yeah. Like of of you know the actual people who were involved. Yeah, cuz it's yeah, that's actually that's a good point cuz it's not like you're watching a movie. It, or even a movie with narration. It's like you're because you could like it. Will, it, it could be like a picture of the guy talking, like you actually see him talking, and then it just kind of flows right into this reenactment. Yeah, exactly. Um, hmm. So the overlapping narration. It's not like narration that you would see in a movie at all. Right. Yeah. It's just documentary like, yeah. voiceover, like you would usually do. It's almost like um, it's dreamy. Right. Yeah, which is interesting. And yeah. to me, like. Errol Morris is kind of the champion of docudrama or like the front runner of, of producing docudramas. Cause like he's, he is considered a very trustworthy source or uh, he's not the source, but he's a trustworthy journalist who is, you would assume that his sources are also yeah. trustworthy and, and valid. Um, and he has a lot of credit, but all of this stuff again is, is a dramatized story. Uh, so which, Leads me to this, I guess. Does dramatizing event in in these docudramas take away from the impact of the reality of the event? I don't. I think it. I think it. I think it really depends. I mean, because this is the same conversation we had a few episodes ago about neorealism. You know, it's like we know that the sound design is fake, you know, and not just in camera. You know what I mean? But it's still like, yeah. It's about like this event, and it's more true than the actual filming of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I mean, I think honestly, I think it's fair game. You know, like okay. Nanook, Nanook of the North. Like I can understand why some people later were upset about it because it's like out of fashion to make stuff like that. But we're still making Nanook of the North. It's just called like historical dramas <laughs> you know what i mean yeah <laughs> like lincoln like steven spielberg's lincoln is a docudrama you know what i mean it's kind of yeah because it's just reenactments yeah. of the thing you know bridge of spies like a, same thing like a, yeah like a biopic and yeah yeah like bio like a biopic it's kind of a docudrama 
You know? Yeah. In a way that those are a little bit more fictionalized in the sense that they're taking creative liberties to try and yeah. see like how would Lincoln really react in a situation that actually did happen. Right. You know. But then how is that how's that different than Nanook of the North? Cuz that that totally does the same. But it's not like emotional. But it's not like an emotional thing, right? Where like you're where like you seeing you're seeing Nanook like you know, am I going to help my family survive or will I just like leave them? You know what I mean? Like you never see him have to face these like uh, decisions. Oh, De- like decisions. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of just more day in the life of Yeah. yeah. It's like a day in the life of it's like if like the, if like you if can't Lincoln... see the screenwriter. Like you can see the screenwriter right. in the biopic. Versus right. in the nook you can't see the screenwriter. Yeah. There's way yeah. more creative liberty in the sense of like drama, the actual drama of right. what that character is going through. Because, like, Nanook, like, you're not... You're following him, but you're not following his character as a character, like, as a human being. You're you're following his actions. Right. You yeah. know? Um, yeah, it's interesting. Not, not what his thoughts are. Whereas Lincoln in... Lincoln or W.W. W or all these other biopics, even Walk the Line of Johnny Cash, like, you're seeing him face and make decisions... That the that, right. that the filmmakers have put into the screenplay. Yeah, I think the difference is that it's based on a true story right. as opposed to trying to present the true right. story. But I think with Errol Morris, I think I think you can say that his reenactments. I think I don't think they take away from. What was your question? That the if if uh, does dramatizing the events oh, okay. impact the reality? I think it, I. I think for, for Errol Morris, it doesn't affect it in a negative way. I think maybe there are probably good examples of it do, uh, where it does affect. I can't think of any off the top of my head. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure just in an incompetent director not being able to properly have something like that in their film might it might be like too fake, and then the people don't right. buy it. You know, because yeah. it's like, are you kidding me? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a certain level of trust, right? Like you're trusting oh, that. Good point, the, yeah person mm-hmm. doing the docudrama is dramatizing the events to as close as they yeah, possibly yeah. can to their best understanding right so or even the yeah even like this even if the sense of trust is there even if they're not though right you know like yeah. nanook like you know or or i'm still here the walking phoenix one where the viewer it it feels so grounded in that what that everything is real in mm-hmm. the film, even though it's not. That it doesn't take away from the experience of the actual film, um, right. which is also kind of mocking the whole form um, of a documentary, in a sense. Yeah, <laughs> it is a mockumentary, yeah, comedy drama. It's kind of interesting how F for fake plays with these ideas like this like the truths and stuff like that you know and he and he starts off by saying that you know and and he um really funny movie to watch but he he was honest ish you know what i mean he was like honest (laughs) to the content you know because like it's about the forgery and and so there's like this connection between his process and and the actual content itself um that kind of speaks to what those guys were even doing in the first place yeah it's you know super I mean? weird because like the, a lot of those guys existed like the forger guy like he allegedly was a really a real forger 
but yeah, the those way, are all supposed to be real people. This was yeah, a real scenario. But the but how Wells, like, splices all the footage and stuff together, it's completely fake. Like, there there's people talking to each other in the movie that actually never were in the same room. But mm-hmm. the way he edited it together, it was like, they were. But right. so it was completely fake. They were completely filmed in separate, <laughs> separate times. Right. And even, like, <laughs> those times change. Like, the there's, like, the shot of the monkey, and it's, like, picking at its at that guy's like hair you know yeah yeah and then it cuts back to him like a second later and the monkey is gone you know so it's like obviously this was like a a whole nother time and and it was just like a a reaction to what someone said you know yeah so it's just like a little like clue like a little jump cut clue sort of a thing yeah it's like this weird thing that you could probably pick apart and be like no that's got to be fake but what they're saying is is could be true yeah i don't know it's fucking it's the most it's so it's actually kind of (laughs) complicated i mean it's presented as a docudrama right that's what it's called so like and it's been described as a film essay so i think there is some reality to what's happening and i think he is trying to tell generally the story of what occurred even though it is cut together in this really just like fucking art deco uh, fucking Dada way, like yeah, Dada right. art movement way, like, um, you know, and it's so frenetic. But I think in this case, it actually is a true story up until the point where, you know, he's talking to Oha Kador. Kodar. Yeah, because yeah, the one hour had, mark. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, she has nothing to do with anything. Like she's actually Orson Welles's girlfriend, like in real life, right? And like has nothing to do with Picasso. <laughs> yeah that was a weird i thought the documentary was was going to be something else that it wasn't or that for fake like my perception of it my understanding of it before watching it was like i didn't know it was going to actually be this documentary Uh like the way of what it and the story that it told yeah i was expecting it to be more about him and faking shit i guess see and i i I was a little. I, I I wanted you to see F is for fake, not knowing that it had any fake stuff in it. Yeah, like because uh, what I saw it in Tony Pritchard's class. Uh, Same. Uh, and he didn't tell us what it was about. It was just a film that we had to watch. So when I when the film started when it started, I thought it was real, and then it's then he says you know the first half, but I like completely forgot about that. Yeah. And then, and then, like you're watching it, and then all of a sudden, it's like, but what I've been saying, it's not true. You know, you're like, oh fuck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there was that mm-hmm. moment where you're like, oh god, no, no shit, no, what's true, what's not true? And then you wanted to see it again, and it made me like go to the library after that class, not the same day, but like you know, a couple weeks later, after the next quarter or whatever it was, and I watched it again because I was curious. <laughs> I was like, god damn it, that was a weird fucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> But but knowing but you came in knowing that it was already. I mean, I had the perception that it was fake, but I didn't. Yes, yeah, know, but it's not fake. But it's it, not. That's the thing. Well, it's I like, mean, it is, but it's not. But it, but it is though. At the same right. time, like I don't know. It's, it's like, like the the whole thing is like a lie, but then like it's the content is still true. You know, like the that first yeah. hour was like <clears throat> actual things that happened. It, it's yeah. just presented in a fake way. Yeah. Which does that make? Because like what does what does the what does what constitutes truth in a film though what you're seeing what you're hearing or does it have to be both? 
Because well, like what you're seeing is a film essay of this whole thing. I think that's right. like that's right. where yeah. the film essay comes from. Yeah, isn't that cool though? Like, yeah, it's actually fucking layered as hell. Because like if you if you look at the film and you say that every this is say you say everything you hear is truth and everything you see isn't. Does it still mean it's a like? Does it mean does it mean the film overall is truth? Does that make sense? Like, I I don't know. I'm not sure if I follow. Okay, so like, if everything that is being said in the movie is real and factual, but everything we see is augmented and it's not, what's the overall film? Is it true or is it nonfiction or fiction? Um, I, that's I a good question. Like I feel like it has to be described in, in its multiple ways, like. In your description, you're saying that the audio is true. I guess if you were to watch something yeah. with knowing nothing about it, you would never know which is true and which is fake. So you, I think, if I think the normal reaction to that, is if presented as a docudrama or even as a mockumentary, is that this is real, right? And I think that's a yeah because of the nature of documentaries, you're expecting to watch something that has f- facts backing right. it up right right, right. Um, which is wrong in, I mean inherently wrong because documentaries are made by filmmakers and they edit it in such a way so that you could will it's inherently has a bias to it yeah, yeah. you yeah. can't get around that because editing yeah. editing is biased yeah. like Michael and just, Moore documentaries and they yeah. get a lot of flack because of yeah. he it, but they, even just you know. like grabbing your camera and shooting something with a specific background is saying something you know like if you do an interview with someone outside of this (laughs) crappy house or inside a nice house like that's like that choice is where that bias comes from and as a filmmaker it's your responsibility to decide which of those biases is what would be best for the content or would say the most about the person that you're going to put in there and usually as a filmmaker you're attacking the topic because you have a strong opinion of it one yeah. way or another, right? So you got your bias is when, yeah, you're gonna heavily, you know, if you're really in support of whatever you're fil- filming, you're gonna heavily edit the in, in ways that make it seem like you're in support yeah. of it. So, um, which I, I feel like you know, going back to Errol Morris, you know how he films and a lot of the time in just like a blank room, you yeah. know, and and how he has his whole camera setup and everything, but it gives you. It doesn't give you any more information than what they're saying, so right. it it's, mm-hmm. it it takes away that like inherent like you know, Werner Herzog could be asking a a, a guy um, about modern living, and he could be shooting it in like you know in the background is Detroit, and then he could ask another guy the same question who lives the same way, but he's at a grocery store. We're gonna take in his information, yeah. even though they like make the same amount of money. Um, and have similar lifestyles we're still going to like listen to him differently because like oh he's out shopping versus right. oh he's out front of his house right, and it's exactly. like all fucking dilapidated you're going to actually take that in differently exactly. but errol morris tries to take that away yeah that's actually a good point that's a, that's super interesting but even but he, then he he it's a blank room but he's he cuts so much he cuts his films in such a way that there's yeah. he strings together their their 
into and maybe it could be he's cutting out ums but it, i've cut documentaries and generally it's you cut out ums but you're also cutting so that a line over here fits behind this line that that's actually not even nowhere anywhere near yeah, it when yeah. you shot it which i which is so fascinating when i watch anything especially by arrow morris it's like that it's in the, always in the back of my mind like okay how did he actually put this together like what are the what did the the rushes i guess you could say like what how are they, were they really strung together you mm-hmm. know like what mm-hmm. was filmed first because it's, it's in a fucking room you can't see the sun go down behind them you right. know what i mean exactly. like exactly. so it, it it's totally air what aeromoras wants you to hear and and see exactly it's it's yeah it's really super fascinating so I think mm-hmm. to answer your question, though, it's like, yeah, when you watch a documentary, because of the nature of that genre and how it's been built up and established, you generally watch it with the assumption that you're watching something true yeah, or, you know, uh, uh, something that is nonfiction. Yeah. Even if it's a mockumentary, because mockumentaries are done in such a way that you are supposed to believe that right. until later when you find out that it wasn't real. Yeah. So usually you don't even find that out until after. So right. you've experienced it as it's a real thing. In this case, Street Thief was mine. I watched it. It was like, holy shit. You know what? The f- the f- crew followed this guy around and he's breaking. They're going into buildings with him as he breaks them in. Yeah. Like, And then come to find out, <laughs> no, that's all fucking fake. Yeah. Um, I had the same thing with I'm Still Here, the Joaquin Phoenix one. I watched that movie thinking that he had actually wanted to quit acting and that he wanted to pursue a rapping career. Like, I, <laughs> like, I, you know, my brothers and I are watching it and we're like, holy fuck, you know, mm-hmm. like, this is crazy. Like, and it's funny, and it's sad because it's like, you know, he's not going to fucking succeed. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and there are some parts in the movie that are just like, oh my God, Brutal. you know? And, and, but then when it was, I, like, immediately after we watched it, we're like, Google, we start Googling it and shit. And, and, and it was just coming out that people were like, oh, I th- we think it's fake. We think it's fake. You know, and then it's like it was fake, you know, and, and like, God damn it. We watched the movie again, or I watched the movie again, and I was like, oh my God, it, it's like watching it a whole, completely differently mm-hmm. the second time because you're like, oh my God, like it's all made up. Like, it's, I don't know. Like, they're right. on the, they're in on the joke. They weren't in on the joke, and you could see how they react, and mm-hmm. it changes the entire perception of the movie. Right. Um, it, it takes away that curtain or whatever, you know. Um, yeah 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 i think so um and i don't know i also to kind of i guess answer my own question too i don't i think there is power in dramatizing something because especially it's a visual medium like right you kind of only have two options either you show the footage or you dramatize it what else are you gonna do in a documentary um because it could so, be boring as fuck if you don't do right, one yeah. of those <laughs> it's gonna just be talking heads and those are i mean even looking at wormwood which is almost one guy. I mean, it's it's probably it's more than one guy, but it's mostly one guy telling this whole story, and he had like eight camera angles for every interview he did with this guy, yeah. so that he could cut on every all over, you know. Yeah, just, yeah. And it was just so like everything about that series is just like this. Yeah, it goes um, by real quick. It doesn't yeah. seem to to linger. Um, whereas the thin blue line, there. are parts of that that aren't as quick but he's honed his craft since then yeah too. right i mean it's he's, still a really good documentary but right he's definitely N- nanook is like that nanook's definitely like like there's like some real time going on with yeah nanook. 
you know, I mean, getting every Nook... single child out of that boat, <laughs> you know, <laughs> dude, that was a trip to see that. It's like, like 40 what kids the in there. What's happening, dude? Yeah, that um, is crazy. But like, yeah, Nanook, even at the beginning, though, in the sub in the titles, he was like, yeah, uh, he even admitted that it wasn't like, yeah, like real. Like it yeah. was real, like, but they had to reenact things to get the reality because he went there was like, whoa, this is cool. Had to leave and then went back, you know, and then to film it or whatever. So, yeah. like, you know, that's, they faked it so that they could show what the life was, but they tried to, like, stay true to the, the life. Which for me, when I, again, I didn't, I assumed that Nanook actually was, um, basically they filmed it and then claimed it was real. Mm-hmm. And then later came out that it wasn't. But actually that's not the case. They right. were pretty upfront with it from the from the get go. Yeah, I always thought that it was like advertised as that's real. Not too. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people f- think that it's like the first documentary, which is where that comes from. It's from people who think that the whole thing is real and not yeah. enacted. You know, so that yeah. really that's a, that's not a, the fault of the filmmaker as much as it's the fault of the viewer, which. Really, it's always the viewer's fault. <laughs> Which is kind of funny, because, like, F is for fake plays into that, too. Yeah. Where, like, it's kind of winking at you, but also pointing the finger at you, like, gotcha, but it was actually yeah. your fault, you know? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of pretentious sly. and, like, Yeah, high. and pretentious yeah. a little yeah. bit, yeah. Um, um, there's one thing that is really very much like docudramas now, there, and it's a huge market. And it's uh, reality TV, you know. Like it's like those aren't docudramas, though. I don't. I don't know. They're they're not. They just like they just reek of docudrama. You know, like they're um, they're these things that are played off as real. You know, like look at all these MTV shows uh, that are like, hey, they're like recounting the like the lives of someone. You know, that you like a fake celebrity. You know, or like a. Like Paris Hilton, someone who's famous for being famous, you know. Um, but there, when upon like close investigation, you could see like from scene to scene, their like shoes change or something. You know what I mean? Or sometimes yeah. the shoes are off or on, and it's like here's this thing that is presented as a reality to me, but is clearly not if you like read between the lines. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's definitely like like reality fiction or something is kind of more i guess so because it's like it's drama created i mean it's so it's not even that though it's like it's so fiction because like if you really believe that the jersey shore is real drama that's not been yeah you know created by a producer then you're fucking high i mean yeah it's like you know like keeping up with the kardashians like I, i i'm not gonna lie like i find that entertaining and when i when I'm in a mood, in the mood, like I watch it because it kills time in the yeah. sense that I could be doing other things and it's entertaining because it's actually really funny. Like I'd it's a, shoot it's, myself it's, in the foot. It's like it's time. like watching it's like watching a comedy show though because it's fucking hilarious. But like you can tell that there's like scripts, you know? Totally. Yeah. Like 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 and and the fact that people think it's real, it's fucking laughable. But what they're doing is they're tapping into something that is real in the sense of like say you know. Kendall is 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 going on a model, you know, a f- fashion shoot, and and the one 
and she needs like her dress and the one took it for her fashion shoot or whatever right right, right. like it's fake but yet it might have happened and they're but yeah. they're but they're using it as th- that episode's main problem right that's so the thing they about heighten even, it even with right. the way you say that too is like it has a they have beats yes yeah. has each episode it has like an yeah. arc to it yeah, yeah. They, they, they all have arcs every episode of keeping up with the kardashians has like a thing to say whether it's like and and, and normally it's actually um a good message a positive message this show is actually very positive in the sense of it's all about family it's all about um you know uh building yourself and it's like every episode kind of concludes with them saying but we're family and it's all right you know because yeah we, you know like it's very it's interesting they have Byron a brand trying to sell keeping up with the kardashians <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> yo Kanye, I mean, hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> i watched dirty shore and i loved every minute of it you know and oh, uh it, <laughs> why am i doing this podcast with you guys again <laughs> i fucking but uh i always thought people who like thought it was real were dumb you know what i mean but there was something kind of fun about watching it you know and about watching these beats at, and at, presented in a way that is supposed to be real but you know i like mockumentaries you know and this to me is like a like that, this reality TV stuff is basically like the a mockumentary, but dra- drama. You know, it's like a. a it's like the lowest form of a mockumentary. <laughs> like they're scratching yeah, really into is. mockumentary, yeah. but they're like right. not there yeah. yet. It's like, like, yeah, like non yeah. comedic. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does feel lazy. It does feel that yeah. way. Well, it's funny because, like, I mean, I work with like, you know ladies in their 60s that that like believe every single fucking thing that happens in reality tv is fucking real and i laugh at that i think that's hilarious that they're like that they actually think that that's real yeah when it's so obviously not i mean i look at keeping up with kardashians as a show as i would the same way as i would see um uh that one with uh super pop super popular um with uh, Jason Bateman and um, Arrested Development, Arrested Development. I look at those oh, shows sure. the same the same way. It's as a comedy show. I could see that. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like I just view it as a comedy show. It's entertaining to me. You know, I don't. T- I'm not taking anything from it into my personal life. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just purely entertaining. Um, and yeah. I'm not like I'm not like you know tweeting. Oh my god, did you see what Kim did? You know, blah blah. It's so it's so bad. You know, because <laughs> it's because it's fucking fake. <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> it's weird because like, like it's it comes back to the audience. Again, yeah. You know, like if it's different if the audience understands that it's um, real or or not real versus like Nanook, like if the audience knows that it's not real. Or, you know, if they read the title yeah. in the beginning, uh, but and same with episodes for fake, like like we're we are literally told, like many times in the movie, that this is not true. It it says fake over the entire front half of the movie. You know what I mean? It like yeah. says it. He <laughs> says it many times. Yet when I first watched this, I had the same reaction as you, Byron, and just completely forgot about yeah. all that, and I got sucked into the narrative. 
Yeah, because I, I got sucked into just like also just how he made it, all the crazy cuts and like yeah, that's the, the most interesting part was, about that like, whole movie to me is the the editing yeah. of that movie is, and that's why I, I mentioned both editors specifically for this too because it's insane. The editing is absolutely all it, the fact that they got anything to connect it all the way they yeah. edited it is is just like wow yeah you know um, and it wasn't even Wells that edited it you know it was um, two women or whatever I guess he I'm was sure I guess he was there it. I'm sure he but, was like uh, supervising because like Peter Bogdanovich the director um, who did like the last picture show and stuff he was pretty good friends with Orson Wells at the time and there was an and he's actually has a a voiceover or something in the film too um mm. But he uh, he was he was friends with Orson Welles, and around this time, you know, they were pretty close. And he was saying that you know Welles spent a, a lot of time at editing room with this film, and he was actually really proud of it. Um, and I could see why anybody would be proud of this film in the sense of editing, you know? Cause oh it's yeah, super unique, and it does the job. You know, it, he he was successful and at at doing what I I could tell he wanted to do with it. Um, yeah. And I guess he was pretty bummed out because it didn't do very well domestically in the U.S. It was more popular um, overseas, but it felt like a European film. Yeah, because the yeah, people like involved French. were all like European. Yeah, I mean, yeah, very French. It, was, it, it yeah. seems you know I, you can see stuff that uh, Jean Luc Godard does today that you could tell had you know, in you know in same style. Yeah, uh, and, and also things. if you look at this, so I'm looking at. Mary Sophie Dubu, who I'm guessing is French, so I'm gonna say Dubu. I think so, yeah. Um, like a lot of the films she's cut, cause she's cut a lot of stuff, is mostly French. Oh wow! So she's a French, and then Dominique Angerer, who only has two credits to his or her name. That's kind of weird. Um, never edited anything after F or Fake. Uh, <laughs> I'm guessing both are French, <laughs> so that's kind of why it has that feeling, you know, that French feeling too. Uh, do you guys have anything, any, uh, questions or Yeah, I have, I have a question. Or... Um, so we were talking about trust before and like what the, 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 the trust that the audience has in the filmmakers when presented, you know, a documentary and, and, and basically F for fake is, is playing with the idea of that trust, you know? Um, but my question is a little bit different than that, but it, it, it is, what is the trust when you see at the beginning of a film that says film is based on true events or based on a true story? Like what, what is that, what is that trust that like grabs you, you know? Cause like Fargo, the movie Fargo, the Coen brothers, that starts <laughs> with yeah. this film is based on true events, which is not true at all. Yeah. But it does something to you when you see that you know what i mean and so everyone thinks like uh, that wood chipper scene actually happened you know which i'm sure it did somewhere you know like because yeah they actually believe that particular part of fargo they had heard of an incident yeah that someone did do something similar uh, right so they used it but yeah nothing in that movie like happened in the event like the events didn't really happen right in real life yeah so like what is that what is that trust you, you know what i mean like where does it come from and where and yeah because i think what it is is like i think most people are not so cynical yeah 
So they're willing to just like, oh, it's based on true events, so it must be based on true events. Like, why would they lie to me? I feel like you know. I think I feel like viewers are becoming more skeptical and cynical now, because there are so many examples of people that say this is based on true events or whatever, and the film really just touches on things that are true, but takes so many liberties and and you know what I mean, like that viewers kind of like go. Eh. Like when I see it now, I just, I just, I think like, okay, well, maybe half of this actually happened. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I yeah. mean. Like, because it's like, uh, you know, in the Cohen brothers' case, is a little different because it's Why? so over the top that it's actually kind of like shit. This pro- this could actually have happened. <laughs> I mean, tr- truth is stranger than fiction. Right? I think what it is is like some people use that just as a tool to sell, and then like even this, yeah. what I'm reading is that eventually, close to around 2015, they came out and were like, "Yeah, none of it was. Yeah, it was all made up." Um, but as they were <laughs> selling the movie, it was sort of like, "Yeah, you know, it was basically real. We kind of fictionalized some stuff." And at one point, they were like, "Yeah, all of it was real. It all happened." Like you know, it's just. I think it's. I think a lot of artists. I mean, this has been going through for art throughout every generation since the beginning of time. Are always trying to mess with the reality yeah. versus non-reality, right. blurring those lines and screwing with your head, and you know. I mean, just like forgeries, you know. Yeah. And like how one can look at a, a forgery that has believed to have been the real thing, that it actually like becomes the real thing, mm-hmm. and how truth yeah. is like how truth is like that too. You know, truth is a perception it, 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 to a degree, you know? Yeah. Like, if, right. if, so, yeah, I mean, don't want to get super philosophical with that. <laughs> I mean, why not? <laughs> but, but, like, what? what is the difference between the forgery and the real one? You know? Like, what is the actual, outside of, like, like, the thing is, like, pretty much the same thing. So, like, what... What I mean, is the, the thing that wants us to have the real one? There's a very, I mean, there's a saying for it. It's just perception drives reality. If you are perceived to be a certain way, that will be the reality that is created in people's heads. And that's what Exit Through the Gift Shop, that do- doc- right. documentary, talks about. Right. It talks right. about how art is perceived and how one person's crap can be a masterpiece and one person's masterpiece can be crap and how it's all about at least a lot of it too is about how people perceive it which art critics if they perceive something as good then they can get something that's you know a painting that's 15 million dollars and a person who's actually maybe more artistic could make the same thing or something better and it would never be sold because it's you know not perceived as something that's great exactly so it's yeah i mean there's lots of art that i look at that i'm like that's fucking dumb you know like i mean i feel like that's a, i feel like a lot of people are that way yeah. look at art yeah. like what the f- they drew a fucking squiggly line and it happened to like yeah. be red on white cool yeah. like yeah. you know but someone looked at that and was like wow my mind has been shattered by this like this is the greatest piece of art ever you know and a lot of it comes down to to kind of sem i guess potentially answer Jacob's question is that like the art well, I guess it doesn't really answer his question like at all. I don't know. A lot of art comes from the fact that like they they were like the first to do it. So like yeah. if you can somehow claim you were the first to do something, then that would be the reality, right? Yeah. Like 
if it like I don't know I I, I don't I, I don't know yeah <laughs> I, I don't know, know it's, it's one of those huge, I don't know where to go yeah that's the thing is it's such a huge broad topic yeah um, basically perception drives reality yeah. so like if 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 something is perceived to have value then it will have value yeah you know right. and it's up it's are you a good enough salesman to basically yeah. say that it has value yeah. you know like that's really what it is um you know and it's like it's like i think a good example of that too is like the first um first time steve jobs was going to unveil the very first iphone um they were the the iphone that they were using the demo was designed to essentially hit beats during the presentation <laughs> nothing nothing about the phone actually <laughs> worked and in fact they were struggling to get it to work even up <laughs> until he went on yeah. the stage um, and it just so happened that everything fell into place for his presentation and became you know perfect but up until that point it was malfunctioning nothing you couldn't make any calls nothing no, and then everything on it was like if you pressed anything basically it would go to a screen that was pre-designed it's almost like a like remote that. control basically yeah <laughs> but Steve Jobs being the master salesman that he was got up on stage and the reality that everyone perceived was that this phone was magnificent yeah, yeah. perception drives yeah. reality that was true you know? I mean it's like that for um and I guess like how he was able to have that was like through his style, like his style of how he had that whole thing set up. Yeah, exactly. And, and how Orson Welles and the particular style that he made F is for fake, how you perceive that film and how the filmmakers of Nanook of the North stylistically chose to film it the way they did and edit it the way they did, you perceive it as in a certain way. Yeah. It's kind of interesting as how individuals can put their own style into something that forces the viewer to perceive it yeah maybe how mm -hmm. it really isn't it's kind of cool i think that's uh, yeah. another reason why people tell you to never meet your heroes because you perceive them in such yeah. a way and your reality yeah. of who they are is such a yeah. thing and you meet them and it shatters your reality yeah. you're like what my, you know, my <laughs> life is ruined like to be honest uh i listened to errol morris a couple times at telluride and for my personal opinion, he's a great filmmaker, but he loves the smell of his own shit. Holy that, I shit. get that. I kind of wondered that about him. Yeah. Um, if he, he gloats. Yeah. He Ugh. loves. He loves to hear his himself talk. Yeah. Um, I, I always some for some reason I always had an inkling that he was kind of like that. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I know that I'm. It good threw me this. off a little bit because I'm like, ah. Oh, your shit is so good. I know. And I don't yeah. want to hear you talk about the way you're talking about your work as you are, you know? Because then you can meet someone else like Herzog who's just fucking awesome. Yeah. You know? And he's talking. And, but he, you know, Herzog is completely different. But, like, Herzog mm -hmm. is, like, telling stories. You know? He's not talking about, like, himself. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, Her right. Herzog, to me, is one of those guys that, like, we don't deserve really yeah yeah you know? exactly, like, <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> Mr. That's, the, that's the perfect yeah. way of, of of describing herzog yeah yeah we don't deserve him <laughs> yeah so and i would really like to do a herzog you know two-parter three-parter whatever yeah. dude has so many fucking movies cool, yeah, he so does many documentaries and he does like features, different types yeah. of documentaries because yeah. he does like stuff that's kind of more like he he's just documenting an experience that him and his film crew are having and then he's had some documentaries where he's kind of focused in on a subject and yeah. he wants 
the you know viewer to to take in his most things. famous one being grizzly man yeah I, I think yeah and his and then the one you're talking about too when they were um not Fitzcarraldo oh it was Fitzcarraldo right where they pulled the ferry over the they were they yeah had to and pull that's the actually ferry. a fiction film right no 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 but uh there but there's a documentary of the behind the scenes oh yeah of that by film. uh Les Les Blanc uh, called uh, Burden of Dreams mm-hmm, which yeah. is the where he has this really it's so great dude so it's like one of the few parts that i could really distinctly remember where he's he's they're interviewing herzog and he's talking about working with um klaus kinski klaus kinski yeah. and uh he's basically you know like klaus klaus kinski was notorious for being uh very hard to work with um totally pompous would not do what you said um and for, for some reason he worked with him for multiple films but anyway uh there was yeah. this one time where they were deep into the shoot they had to get it you know they already had shot so much blah blah and there's no there's no way go there's no going back at yeah. a certain point in a film in the filmmaking like process Capola in apocalypse right <laughs> and yeah. so he's talking about that and uh klaus is basically threatening to leave and pretty much everyone is like you know silent herzog is trying to deal with it and he basically like walked away like grabbed a gun walked up to him and was like you know I'm, I'm paraphrasing this. He says it way more, way more eloquently. But he's basically like, if you leave, I will be the first one to put a bullet in your back. Like this film and this process is bigger than you. Yeah, and you <laughs> need to get your shit together. Yeah, and and the way he says it, the way that Herzog says it uh, as he's be, being interviewed, is so like normal, like plain yeah, Jane. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. he was like actually gonna do it yeah yeah you know it's such a trip um it's such a great like and then there's like another scene where just you know klaus is just going off on yelling yeah. walking around the set she's fucking yelling at whatever you don't even know what he's really yeah, yelling yeah. at and everyone's just standing around really quiet and it just goes on like that and then he kind of like gets quiet and then herzog's like all right let's go let's let's do we gotta keep going and that was it it's like what the f- who is this guy <laughs> yeah. like you, it, and herzog did a, a his own documentary called My Best Fiend, which is about oh, yeah. the relationship between yeah. him and Klaus Kinski. And the whole film has parts of like Burden, Burden of Dreams or Burdens of Dreams and um, other outtakes and all that shit. And yeah, I mean, it's just crazy that relationship they had. And um, that documentary is cool too, because it's like behind the scenes of movies that are being made, but also a relationship documentary, which is kind of interesting too, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a working relationship. Um, yeah, Herzog would be really fascinating to to do like just a whole podcast like, about just the different types of documentaries he does. But yet they're could, all just yeah. on his own, you know. Look at this. Okay. Klaus Kinski is most famous these are the movies he's most famous for, and they're all Herzog pretty much. Like uh A Weird Wrath of God, you know, yeah. one of the most famous films ever. Nosferatu the Vampire. Yep. Uh Wojzek, Fitzcarraldo, yep. you know, like Cap like what a masochist Herzog is, dude. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know. And the, then the, when they shot, yeah. when they shot um, Fitzcarraldo, they were in the South American fucking jungle yeah. and literally pulled a ferry from yeah. one river to another. People like, died. Yeah. And then, like, in a gear or a gear, I don't know, uh, Wrath of God, like, the peop- the natives actually came, went up to Herzog and, and said, you know, do do you want us to kill him for you? Yeah, that's because of like because of like the disrespect that 
Kinski was doing, you know, yeah. and, and, and they could tell that Herzog was the leader. Yeah, they respected Herzog so much yeah, yeah. that they would have. I forget if that was a, through if it was Fitzcarraldo or Aguirre. I don't know because there's so many stories that are so right. similar when because of their relationship. Because he both filmed those, he both he filmed both of those movies in the South American jungle. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's fascinating shit. And even that though, like how much of that really is real? Because you're getting it from Herzog. And you're getting it from Kinski, and you're getting it from maybe other cast members. But like, how much of it is blown up? How much of it actually right. happened? How, and then you see some of it that's documented that you see you as a viewer actually see Kinski right. throwing fits and shit. So you're like, okay, well, you know, how reliable is this? It, it looks to be pretty reliable, but you never really know because right. people mm-hmm. like to embellish. So I like that too. You know, it's like how myth can be bigger and yeah, you know, like. Um, like the the documentary Hearts of Darkness about the making of Apocalypse right. Now and how the myth of the the production of that film is is just as great or greater than the film itself, which is mm-hmm. phenomenal. So totally, totally. And I mean, like I've talked about that the behind the scenes of Apocalypse Now as if it's real. Yeah. Because to me, it's I perceive it as like a thing it's, that happened. Same like, here. Yeah. You know, um, and that's that's kind of the trip of cannibal holocaust too because like you brought up earlier like so cannibal holocaust is more found footage but a good chunk of the film is a documentary crew (laughs) going down to document what's going on right so it's shot in that way yeah and to add and to blur the lines even more what they did was they used real animal death yeah amidst the fake human death yeah so you're like when you see you know, fucking homeboy get his dick cut off and then dismembered, you're yeah. like, holy shit, did that just yeah. happen? And he, you know, uh, Reguero Diodato, when he got back to the States, was had to go to trial, yeah. like go to court, because they were like, did you fucking kill these people? Like, yeah. what, you, what what is going yeah. on here? Um, and the and that, actors were paid to lay low for, like... Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But in the film, there are very, like, I mean, there's like a very long shot of them disemboweling a fucking yeah. uh, possum yeah. and them deshelling like a turtle. And those yeah. that happened. That was real. So you're like, kind of like, you know, what it the fuck is It blurs the line. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, my, you know, dude getting dismembered is probably like the like most tame part of that movie really like <laughs> yeah. that movie is insane um i don't get very i don't cringe at movies very much because i usually i can handle gore that one for some reason when i first watched it was just like just so masterfully done oh. yeah it's just yeah. It's so they they knew exactly what to do to to really make the viewers perceive it mm-hmm. as real and they did such a good job because what you're seeing for a lot of the time is real mm-hmm. so yeah. you're it, like your brain tricks itself but then know? they have weird shit like the when the fucking native guy rapes the woman with the rock mm-hmm. and they're filming it like they're standing right next to him and you're yeah. like okay so you yeah. just broke the whole facade yeah. for no reason you yeah. know like but if you really yeah, pay attention to the movie it for the shock like, yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. I think the um, soundtrack doesn't get talked about enough in Cannibal Holocaust because I think that also has, like, this air, this, like, creepy air to it that really, like, sets the tone yeah, uh, of, yeah. the, of the whole movie from the get-go. Like, it's yeah. it's not a soundtrack that you buy and listen to in a car ride. You know what I mean? Like, it's, like, right. not really what? that fun it's not, to listen It's to. not the Neon I mean, I do. Unless you're Byron <laughs> and, like, all mustard on your hot dogs. 
then yeah. But he's also sailing. He's yeah, also doing. I mean, honestly, I could do mustard in a hot dog. You could do mustard. mustard. I've done that many times. Dude, Without like the hot dog, hot dog just mustard on a bun. Dude, ketchup on a bun. I, I mean, I, I normally would. I would much rather have just mustard than just ketchup for sure. Really? Oh, same. oh yeah. Oh, on I'm a hot a dog? Yeah, I'm a, I only, I'm a, I'm I only do guy. mustard on my hot Falsehoods. Dog. Yeah. Oh, are we talking about on a, just a bun or on just a hot dog? On a hot dog. Just, oh, I could go either yeah. way. Yeah. Would you way. do a bun with just mustard with no hot dog? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd rather gross. have that be ketchup. I, 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 For me, it would have to be mustard. <laughs> I would just not eat it. <laughs> I, I'm, not a, I'm not a big fan of ketchup by itself. Like, I don't eat french fries and ketchup. Me neither. I just eat. I just eat French fries. It's French fries and main, mayonnaise. And yeah, and mayonnaise. Yeah. A good mayonnaise. We're gonna make so many oh, people weird. cringe by saying that, but yeah. it's actually. But it's true, man. It's really? the dude. Yeah. Not go like to, go to the Netherlands, but, man. But not like the mayonnaise that you get here. Like not like a not like a jar of fucking. <laughs> not like yeah, craft not, mayonnaise. Not, not real no. food. Not the hell whatever, mayonnaise real are you guys even talking about? The like, Netherlands has like the mayonnaise they make because of the, the way that their food like their the way their food is processed and stuff and like their um standards for food is very different so the mayonnaise they create is pretty different it's like way more creamy yeah it doesn't seem as like gross and stuff so So, like and like when you get fries like weird right and so there's very famous fries you get or whatever in the cone um, and you can get all sorts of shit on it, but the main yeah. thing that people get is usually mayonnaise or some f- mixture of mayonnaise, ketchup, yeah. and onions. And the mayonnaise um, isn't like gelatinous, you know? Yeah, it's, it's not like cream. You can't it's like, like you don't take a knife to it and it will jiggle. Yeah, it's different. So. <laughs> right. it actually, it's actually more like ketchup. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, so it's it's pretty different, and it's super good, dude. It's super good um, for sure. But that's way off topic. So. Um, I don't know. We're perceiving that mayonnaise. Uh, it's my <laughs> perception, man. Right. So I guess uh, I don't know. We could we'll jump right into some form of roundtable. Yeah, um, I don't do have it. too much more to say. Um, I don't. Uh, I don't know who wants to go. Who wants to be picked? Let's first. do Byron first. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go with F for fake because you've talked about it before, and I know you like it. Uh. I too will go with Nanook. These are kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> These are kind of weird movies to compare, though. Really, yeah, they are. Like, hard. It's kind of like last week's, you know, last Hereditary and De Palma. That wasn't yeah. fair at all. Well, I think but. Nanook has a more like, like it's been around. Like, like it's. It's really respected. Like it's kind of like that intro to cinema movie that you watch. You yeah, know, you kinda, it's, it's Nanook. Like, yeah. In fact, I think I watched Nanook for the first time in like you know Cinema One Hundred One or. Whatever. I think I probably did too. But yeah, it's like that uh, first. It's one it's of like, those films. For yeah, sure. Yeah, it's just one of those academic movies that yeah will always be an academic movie. It's I mean, like you watch it less for the entertainment value and more for the historical value right, of it. Right. But and because. I, okay. Oh, and because no, of don't. that, because of that, F for fake is what I is, is definitely the one I like more. Oh, is this is this more watchable? I've seen it like three times now, three or four times, and is this more watch is this watchable? It's definitely the better. It's the the best viewing experience I've had of that movie was the first and second time I've seen it. Yeah, nice. yeah, for sure. The yeah. surprise, yeah. it's a very like surprise based movie. <laughs> you know, and when you yeah. know the surprise, it's gone. 
and I, I i think my favorite sequences are like when oya is like walking and like the guys are like looking at her and the way it's filmed it's all like super weird and like oh yeah it's interesting the credits yeah 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 it's just yeah. an interesting like way to open a movie um but it fits so well um that's my favorite part of the movie but i also just like how it's like an essay but it's like different but yeah i don't know nanook is kind of like standard yeah i yeah. respect it for its historical value but that's basically it. yeah for and sure. it's like it's like the first docudrama which when whenever you look up things about docudramas it, it, it doesn't list nanook as the first one it just says Nanook used the docudrama style before <laughs> yeah. docudrama was invented. <laughs> it's like, wow, that's okay. That means it invented it. That's <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know like, what I mean? Hello. It's like, wow. why are we not giving it credit for what it clearly did? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess just go around and pick yeah, from me and then Jacob. It. I guess. Uh, I think you. You know, I'm gonna th- I'm gonna throw a throw a wrench. In the old machine, and 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 just guess Nanook for you, Keith, because I I know you weren't particular uh, about either of these movies. I think F is for F for fake is probably more enjoyable, but I don't know, black and white. <laughs> so <Nanook. Yeah. laughs> always go arrow on the side of black and white. I'm gonna go with F for fake because I think the editing you probably got, uh, you know, found it fascinating. At least not fascinating, but m- more enjoyable to watch because of the editing of that movie. Yeah, I find both of these movies just hard. Like, how do you even rate these? Yeah. You know, how do you rate Nanook of the North? Because it's like five out of five. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, it's like historical, which is where four and a half lies. But I uh, do not. Yeah, not even close. But like, <laughs> I, I, it, it is effort fake, but like. I mean, both I'd probably throw at three stars. I, like again, it's like you watch these not for the, even if for fake, you're watching it more for like the weird, like legends surrounding it yeah. more than the yeah. film itself. And then the Nook is like you're definitely watching it strictly for the historical aspects of yeah, it, right? But this both stories to me, like I didn't give a shit about either one of these. Like the people yeah. in them, I didn't really care about. F for fake, like it took me a long time to figure out who the hell was who. Yeah, exactly. And you're yeah. and mm-hmm. like by by the end, I'm just like, I don't give a fuck yeah. about anything that you guys yeah. did. I had never heard of you before this, and I've already forgot who you are. So like, I don't know. Both these movies, I found it. This is a weird week because I just, I don't know, couldn't yeah. care as much about it as I would have liked. Um, but I guess F for fake, just because it is a little more entertaining to watch. Um, dude, it was an hour and a half that felt like two and a half hours too. Something it weird does, about the pacing of yeah, that movie. It does feel yeah, longer. because the way it's cut, there's no perception of where you're at at yeah. any point in a story. There's no like you don't know the story. Action. Yeah, yeah, you don't know what the yeah. story is, yeah. so you're just wandering along with them until you're kind yeah. of like, oh, now I know we're nearing an end. I guess. You right. Know. Um, it's kind of but, like in Exit Through the Gift Shop when the videographer first reveals the first edit of his movie. It's just oh, like this yeah. like mess of yeah. like it makes no sense and it's cut so quickly like it's like MTV on crack you know yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I haven't seen it's that movie in a long time I should rewatch it that's how um, F for fake is yeah yeah I think for Jacob I think F for fake too you guys I know you both have kind of mentioned this movie and you guys speak 
you know decently highly of it yeah. as a I, movie yeah. so definitely like, respect it for its yeah. like it's like artistry yeah craftsman you know like how he put it all together yeah i think jacob is an f i <laughs> give you a cinema score of f a part a part of me jacob wants to say nanook Fultz. because i feel like he wants to be like different from us <laughs> that sounds about right but at the same time i feel like constantly trolling i feel like that scene of uh oh yeah oh yeah uh in her blue see-through dress walking down the street maybe got to jacob and that would be why he went to that that's hilarious that you say that because i don't even remember that in the movie oh, really? <laughs> <I> am, yeah. <laughs> it's like towards the that's end that's funny it's like it's predominant. It's exactly at one minute and twenty three. No, it's <laughs> yeah. one hour and twenty three minutes. No, um, but yeah. So I'm, I'm gonna go with F for fake for Jacob. Do nice. it. Well, I mean, she's pretty hot. But did you see Nanook's wife? <laughs> she does have that kind Smoking. of like almost Chinese look. So we know that you're on a well, on a Chinese kick. So well, she, you know. you know, Oja. What's her name? Oja. She's smoking, right? But Nanook's wife, she's cold as ice. <laughs> Jesus. I'm wishing uh, I would have yeah. interrupted oh you God. again. I wish I would have interrupted you again, so you never would have said that before. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, so it is F for fake. Um, because it's, I don't know, I think it's fascinating. And I think, uh, I mean, I think Nanook just kind of sucks. <laughs> you know yeah, i mean I, like, I, i'm kind I, of with you on that like, like it's just kind of like i under i get i get it's historical value you know what i mean but any like first of its kind movie is normally like pretty bad i would say like you know like but, the first yeah. like movie itself the train coming through you know whatever mad respect for that but it kind but of just sucks as ass. It's yeah. kind of like the worst yeah. thing you could film. Like things, pe- things on YouTube are way more interesting. Like it's kind of like Man with the Movie Camera. Yeah. I thought that movie was better than Nanook, but it's still kind of like I understood the importance and how it did things that were yeah. like had never been done before. At the same time, it's so new at the t- for its time that like yeah, I can see it. But now looking at it, it's like eh. also like, with Nanook, uh, like every other shot had a fucking title in between it too yeah. like you're spending yeah. more time reading watching that movie yeah. than you are actually watching that movie yeah it's like yeah. too. it is yeah. it was a boring movie it's a boring movie it's you it's watch so it it's so boring it's academic at yeah. this point it's so it's so academic. it's so painfully academic you know yeah. but f for fake is like not like that for me at all like f for fake for me still works as like a like a film essay you know and uh you know the filmmaker is saying something important here it's something that i already knew about and something that isn't new news to me but i like how focused it is on saying this specific thing so i can appreciate that cool i think i saw nanook this time with a different score than the first time i saw it really i think i had a different score did you watch it on youtube i watched it on youtube yeah yeah, but I, but the one that I watched in class seemed like it just had a different score. Huh. On and it was, you know, on a it's DVD. Possible. But I, I mean, watched I it on Filmstruck, so like I just Oh shit, assumed... it was on Filmstruck. Fuck, I should have watched it on yeah. Filmstruck. Both of these were. Filmstruck. Yeah. Both yeah, we, yeah, I watched I watched F for fake on Filmstruck for sure. Someone should take the 
Mad Max Fury Road score and put that on Nanook. Jeez, the Neon Demon score, like carrying the babies. That actually would make it. That'd be pretty rad. That would be interesting. I mean, because it's like you know, putting Pink Floyd on Wizard of Oz, and that should actually like work. It lines up. Yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. We should do that for an episode. Let's do something weird like that. Pink yeah, there's Floyd, a couple, Wizard of couple, Oz. There's a couple different ones, different films that have done that where they put some other random score to it and it's like, oh shit, it works. Right. You yeah, guys ever play happens. Led Zeppelin backwards? <laughs> <laughs> there is something about that, isn't there? Same with like the yeah, Beatles White Album or there's something. There's a there's a a site that I stumbled across one time that had like the Pokemon theme backwards and like Yo- Yoko Ono had this song, and if you played it backwards, it actually almost legitimately sounded like it said, I killed John Lennon. It's kind of oh, creepy. Yeah. Like playing stuff backwards, like I don't believe that it's actually saying yeah. anything, but when I, like to me, audio kind of really gets to me, so like it kind of creeps me yeah. out. Yeah. It gives me like goosebumps listening to yeah. stuff backwards the, sometimes. The Led Zeppelin, it was in Stairway to Heaven, the song, yeah. and you play yeah. it back. It was, it was like a popular thing at the time to play records backwards, so they like intentionally. Put some put a hidden message in there, and it was basically and, like the opposite of Stairway to Heaven. It was like how to get to the devil. The know? other problem too <laughs> is that sweet. they tell you what is heard. So when you go to listen to it, you're auto, you're thinking about that already. Yeah. yeah. So you have to like if you're gonna do it, listen to it like without with fresh. Yeah. 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 Kiss did that too. I think with one of their songs on a, a record that they did, that they came out with. Good old Kiss. Yeah, Good and then um, fucking Ozzy Osbourne got took a bunch of shit for it, and it's like he was funny too because they were like, "Yeah, he's like telling people to like do heroin and drugs," or it was either Ozzy or it was Judas Priest, and people were like, "Yeah, if you play it backwards, it totally sounds like you know fucking do drugs and heroin, blah blah." And then they came out and were like, "Why would we do that? We want people yeah. to buy our records. We don't want them to die. Like, yeah, what the fuck right. value is that? Yeah, yeah. like." Think about what you're saying. Don't idiot. buy heroin. Buy our records. Yeah, like what? <laughs> yeah. What are you even saying right now? Yeah. Um, buy, buy. Don't buy one copy. Buy two. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So they were just kind of like, you guys are fucking dumb. Like, what yeah. are you even talking about? Um, I wish I could find this. Site. I feel like I saw this back in like 2006 or something. Um, so now I don't think that site even exists. But, um, yeah. This was uh our shortest episode i think um, <laughs> i don't well, know i think shortest, our pretty close i think the mu- what was the musical one we did and uh the weed one reefer madness oh I think that reefer was madness. our shortest i think we still even pulled episode. out a longer one i think our shortest ones have been the actual shorts where they were like an hour oh, that's oh true. yeah I like, right a about short, I like a short episode though. i like a short episode yeah it feels refreshing i mean yeah it's just yeah it's just one of those topics i guess um so I don't know if you guys have anything else to bring up or really or bullshit about or whatever. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, I got some free speakers at work today. Oh. They're, nice. they're over-designed. Here's, this is what the subwoofer looks like. Whoa, that's Isn't weird. Isn't that stupid? <laughs> yeah, that's really weird. So for the listeners, I'm holding up a what looks like a, a, a third of a slice of a ball. So it's like this round subwoofer, and we can just move on. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can end it. No, I was just, I was kind of just shitty. I think I found the website though. Actually, if you oh, search you up Poke, if you search up Pokemon Rap backwards, there's this like website that has like a huge variety of stuff um, that you can play forwards and backwards. And one of them is John Lennon. 
supposedly oh it actually hides the lyrics for you so you don't see them right away um if i can get the stupid ass thing to load um and yeah so like you can essentially just uh listen to it for yourself and decide whether or not there's fucking hidden messages i guess which there's not but decide for yourself <laughs> i guess um yeah so cool all right so um <laughs> if you have any questions or opinions send an email to b2b films podcast at gmail.com you can also uh visit our facebook page comment on or discuss this week's episode or any past episodes you can check out the stuff we post excuse me um if you like the show please rate it uh wherever you listen because it helps others find us and thank you to those who have rated us on itunes because we do have some that's nice um you can also follow us on Letterboxd at Jacob Foltz for Jacob, right? I think you changed it. I think I've been saying the wrong thing for like um, six episodes. I think you're just Jacob Foltz now, right? Yeah, just Jacob Foltz. Yeah, and Byron is just Byron Goet. Yeah. G-O-U-E-T-T-E. Yep. I'm Hyperion Creator. Um, Byron is getting his set up still. I mean, you're 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 it's set up, but you're getting the diary and the reviews in. Yeah, I think I have... I think I've 31 films on there with 30 reviews. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and Jacob, Damn. you can see what he's watching. You don't rev- you kind of do reviews sporadically. Yeah, not all the time. Yeah. And then I try to do it for every movie I watch. At least get some thought out there. Some some I say more stuff than yeah, others. I, I haven't been doing the ones that I've really been watching like the new ones. I've been doing yeah. all these older films that I've watched. See what or I do. Revisiting. What I do is I, I, um, say that I've watched the movie, but I don't rate or review it oh, because I can't yeah. remember enough about it oh, to like okay. fairly give it that. Yeah. So like I just you can list it as watched basically, yeah. and then if I do watch it again, I'll do the review yeah. and stuff. But um, yeah, so you can check us out on Letterbox uh, next week. We will be talking about the Jack of All Trades, Shane Carruth who broke out onto the scene with Primer and then kind of effed us all up with Upstream Color. Yeah, and then kind of just fell off the fucking face of the earth. He's um, working he, on something right now. He's supposedly always working on something. Um, he had a sci-fi project that just never saw Yeah, he had day. a topiary, which apparently uh. got stuck in development hell, like a lot of things do. Supposedly, he's had some other stuff in development ever since Upstream Color, but... Who knows? Uh, I haven't heard anything. That was five years ago. So we'll be talking about him, who he is, um, how he made Primer as a mathematician and not a filmmaker. Um, made it for like seven grand or something. Um, he's a really interesting story. So, and he is literally, you know, he does everything for his movies. So it's super interesting to talk about. So make sure you watch Primer and Upstream Color uh, for next week's discussion. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. See you later. A later, later. F yeah. <laughs>